for less stimulation. Now, in practice, some introverts are shy and some are not. So the two do overlap to some extent, but psychologists can't even really agree on to what extent. There are definitely plenty of introverts out there who are not shy at all. A good example, I think, would be somebody like a Bill Gates. People routinely describe as introverted. He has a very private, kind of understated style about him. But he doesn't seem like he's shy. You know, he doesn't seem like he's overly phased by what people think of him. And then there is something that you call an ambivert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing from the title that it means in between. But that's interesting because how do you come up with a definition for it? How do you describe it? Yeah, you know, it's a tricky thing. The technical definition would really be somebody who is kind of smack in the middle of the introvert-extrovert spectrum. And I get a lot of people telling me, you know, I feel like I'm both. And so I guess that's what an ambivert is. The reason I say it in such provisional terms is because these terms are just famously mushy. and All of us have some of the other style in us, right? Even Carl Jung, the psychologist who first popularized these terms, introversion and extroversion, even he said there's no such thing as a pure introvert or a pure extrovert. He said such a man would be in a lunatic asylum. (laughs) To some extent, we're all ambiverts. And yet, I think for many people we do feel like we do recognize ourselves as largely belonging to one end of the spectrum or the other, even if we have times where we where we step out of our characteristic mode. Here we are in the early part of the 21st century, and we are, I think you'd have to say, in the middle of what you describe as an extrovert ideal culture. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the best person you can be, you'd better learn how to be an extrovert, I guess is the way you'd define that. You'd better learn how to be out there to some degree, but I do think that many successful introverts figure out ways to negotiate that in ways that are quite natural to them. They learn sort of quieter forms of presentation that are equally effective. And I should also say that social media is actually turning some of this on its head in interesting ways because, you know, of course, you now, through Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you now have the ability to express yourself and to connect with with large numbers of people without actually leaving your house. (laughs) So that's a whole twist on things. Yeah. What are the dangers, do you think, of this bias toward extroversion that we're seeing in our culture? The first danger really is kind of psychic danger to introverts. I've spoken now to hundreds to thousands of introverts, and I hear again and again this sense of I, I don't feel okay being who I am because from the time they are children, very young children, they are sent the message that there is something wrong with their longing to have more solitude, with their longing to connect in these quieter ways. And so many you know, walk around feeling a sense of being flawed. And also they kind of lose their sense of how they prefer to spend their time. So, you know, people who might really prefer to spend their Saturday nights reading or studying or being creative or doing God knows what, they instead sort of propel themselves out to parties because they feel that's what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> so that's kind of the first thing. But, you know, I think more more broadly than that, we have entire workplaces that are designed primarily for extroverts. Now, if you're a manager... How does that make sense, really? You'd be much better off cultivating the morale and the energy of your entire workforce and trying to set things up in a way that works for both. If you want new ideas, you'd think you'd turn to not the people who can shout the loudest, but the people who can think the loudest, if you will. Yeah, and that's introverts and extroverts. You know, this isn't to say introverts, they're the only ones who can think. It's just to say that we need both people's brains. And we have a system that is designed to cultivate more the brains of extroverts than the brains of introverts, which is a mistake because they do think differently. I mean, introverts tend to think before they speak. Extroverts think while they speak. 
Extroverts tend to be really good at stuff like multitasking. Introverts are really good at tasks that require more depth and more um, sitting and focusing on a problem at, at length. So the two types do have their different strong suits, and we're best off cultivating them both. Let's talk about introversion and children, because it's, um, well, it's important. I mean, people often think we can mold young people to be who we think they need to be. But I, we really ought to be paying more attention to their nature, shouldn't we? I mean, whether they're introverted or extroverted, and maybe shaping the, the teaching experience to help them with their nature. Absolutely. This is a tremendous problem. You know, I hear all the time from people, I'm talking about people now in their 50s and 60s and 70s who write me letters about things that happened to them when they were children in school, remarks the teachers made about how they weren't speaking enough in class or this kind of thing. And these remarks really sting because the children understand that that they are being told that the person that they are, that the way that they are, that their way of being is wrong and that they need to change.